The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey folks, hope everyone had a festive and lovely Christmas slash holiday break. Quick caveat to the upcoming episode you're about to listen to. While we know there are a ton of very intriguing things happening around Lakers Nation, like Stanley Johnson's rise as this team's 10-day wing defender version of Alex Caruso meets Meta World Peace, to LeBron James' Hall of Fame MVP tour stretch that he's currently on, dropping 30-plus points in his last six games and going 8-14 of 14 from three-point land versus Memphis, Happy 37th birthday to the GOAT, by the way. To Lakers Nation going to civil war over Russell Westbrook on every possession, every play, and every missed dunk or layup. To this recent breaking news that the Lakers are in serious talks to trade Rajon Rondo to the Cleveland Cavaliers for a second rounder, Dean Wade. Who knows? I don't know yet because the news hasn't come out yet and I've already recorded this entire episode. So while there's much of all that to dig into for this episode, we will not be getting into any of that. At least not yet. Consider this episode some Lakers podcast counter-programming, or even a Lakers podcast cleanse from the same sort of discourse you're probably hearing on all sides from every other Lakers outlet or podcast right now. This episode aims to simply ask one question. What can we get for Kendrick Nunn? If we took THT out of negotiations, even though right now I know a lot of people demand that he be put into any trade negotiations, but if we took THT out of trade negotiations and only went to trade battle with Kendrick Nunn as our main asset, could we get anything of value? This is not to say that we want to trade Nunn, or even that we think any of the names or trade proposals mentioned here are realistic trade targets or remotely likely to happen. All we're saying in this episode is that we have some names who could be conversation starters in the event that the front office wants to save face, keep THT, and just flip a dude in Kendrick Nunn who simply hasn't played a single minute for them yet this season for some additional help in other areas of need. So under that premise and foundation, please enjoy my conversation with Tommy on all things Kendrick Nunn trade proposals related. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Moharkless Herald Angels Sing, we are looking for some NBA wings. And I may have just given a little spoiler hint at one option in a sea of very underwhelming options that we'll look at today. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how are you doing how is December going for you whenever, wherever we're at in December right now? Um, December is going fantastic, Jonathan. Best month of the year. And uh, looking forward to 
the new year coming up. Indeed. Well, welcome to this generic December episode where we look into our crystal ball and sift through some non talon Horton Tucker trade options for wings or maybe tweener bigs who are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", or taller. And we'll also look at the potential wing buyout market that may emerge in the next year that the Lakers could take advantage of. Uh, If you want to check out our THT for wing trade options episode, check out episode 385, Wings Beneath Our Wins. Um, Disclaimer and caveat for this segment or episode, none of these fantasy hypothetical options and trades that I'm about to throw out are likely to happen. Uh, But goddammit, if we won't keep shooting shit at the wall till Rob Palenka listens to one of our hypothetical episodes and actually gets the epiphany and idea to take our advice and pull the trigger on any one of these moves. Um, But for now, these are just some interesting names for you to nibble at and think about in your own Lakers Fantasy GM ventures. So Tommy, given the fact that this is a non-THT trade package, um, who would you say is our next best asset? (laughs) Uh, probably Kendrick Nunn. Yes, the Kendrick Nunn who, I mean, we're probably, by the time this episode airs mid-December, he's probably still not back. So you're really, I mean, that's not a great trade asset, obviously. Kendrick Nunn's on for the rest of this year, a couple months for $5 million. He has a player option for $5 million next year, which at this point he may actually take. So maybe that'll entice some teams. Um, But yeah, Kendrick Nunn is your one main asset that you can use if you add like a minimum guy on top of him that's maybe you can get a a player who's what eight to nine to ten million dollars uh incoming so with that in mind and with that as our landscape i wanted to look at you know obviously wing players three and d guys who would fit the frank vogel system better we did this with tht and obviously the guys the names that we threw out there for tht they're of a semi higher caliber because it's tht with Kendrick Nunn, we're going to have to lower our sights a little bit, so that's what we're going to do. Are you ready for this Kendrick Nunn-centric trade potential uh, list that I'm about to throw at you? Let's go. Okay, this is not that great. Here, starting off on a very mediocre foot, number one, Kendrick Nunn plus minimum guy, whether it's Rondo, Bazemore, Ellington. Four, former Laker, current 76er, Danny Green. $10 million this year, non-guaranteed $10 million next year. Your thoughts on that? Would you rather just keep none at that point? Probably just keep none at that point. You really don't like Danny Green, huh? Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I can't take any more of that T-Rex running around. That's true. I mean, we're made up of Danny Greens on this roster currently. You're right. Yeah. Uh, okay. This next slew of options, they all come from the same team. You can't get all three, but you can get maybe one of each of these three. So... This is a crop of dudes from the Indiana Pacers. Now, it's very debatable whether the Pacers would want another combo guard in Kendrick Nunn, but let's just say they do. They need some ball handling help. Maybe by the time you listen to this episode, Malcolm Brogdon's injured or Karis LeVert is injured, which is, you know, fairly likely given their injury history. But yeah, let's say they want Kendrick Nunn. Your thoughts on Kendrick Nunn plus minimum for 29-year-old Jeremy Lamb. He's an expiring $10 million this year. He is 6'5", so he doesn't necessarily meet my 6'6 criteria, but he does have a 6'11 wingspan, so he kind of meets that with how long he is. So there's 29-year-old Jeremy Lamb, there's 30-year-old Tory Craig, 
five mil- Tori and Craig. Tori and Craig. Did I say Tori and Craig? No, Tori Craig. No, no, no. <laughs> it's Tori Craig. Whenever I hear his name on TV, for some reason, it always sounds like they're saying Tori and Craig. I don't know why. It's random. <laughs> See, I, I mean, I thought I said Tori and Craig even. Uh, Tori Craig is making $5 million this year, $5 million next year. Now, he is a legit 6'7 with a 6'11 wingspan as well. So uh, you could have none for him. Or you could have him for none, rather. And then lastly, there is none for 32-year-old Justin Holiday, who I feel like we've talked about like every single off-season or buyout market season the last four or five years. Justin Holiday, obviously the brother of Drew Holiday, Aaron Holiday. Uh, he's making $6 million this year, $6.2 million next year. He is 6'6 with a 6'11 wingspan. He is hitting 2.43s a game this year on 35%, at least at the time of this recording. Last year, he shot 38% from three, hitting 2.43s a game. So out of those slew of Pacers guards, Jeremy Lamb, Torrey Craig, Justin Holiday, who would you like if you wanted to trade none for them? Or do you like any of them? Or do you like all of them? Um, I would say the one I like the most in that list is the one we probably can get. And that's Justin Holiday. I mean, I no. guess the one thing... We, we have going for us a little bit in that hypothetical trade is Justin Holiday is like on the older side. He might actually be the older of those three, Here. which is weird because yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like he's been in the NBA that long. But, um, you know, he has shown the ability to fairly, I think last two seasons he was high 30s or so from three. Uh, I'm looking at his stats for this year. He's like a little bit down, but the Pacers obviously have a new coach and you know, maybe he's not getting the same quality of looks, right? But he is, uh, he's definitely a good shooter. I like the length. I actually didn't know he was that long. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think if we're going to get rid of a guy like Nunn, and this is, by the way, assuming any of these teams would take a guy yeah. like Nunn who hasn't really played them, you know, but if we're going to get rid of a guy like Nunn, um, I, I, None has value to us that we have not seen yet, right? Okay, I'm not going to go as far as, like, Frank Vogel and be and say, like, none is the reason he's a huge part of what we're trying to do, and that's a big reason we haven't shown, you know, what we're trying to show this year. But I will say, for as good as Malik Monk looks on this team, like, around the three stars, and especially when he's on the court with Westbrook and or LeBron, and he doesn't have to do a lot in terms of dribbling the ball himself, but he can like create a little bit on his own one-on-one or he could hit the open shots. Like for all that, as good as he is look like Kendrick Nunn is theoretically going to be a lot, even he's better, a better ball right? handler so, for sure. He's a better ball handler. Um, maybe not a better, like pure shooter, but in terms of NBA reps, I think he's gotten more reps, you know? So there are some pluses to none over a guy like Monk, who has looked like really good for us. So I do think none is going to look good. So if we're going to replace him, I would want it to be for a guy that um, can fill a very clear void. And I think like Justin Holiday, at least he has the length. At least he has the three-point shooting. I guess secondarily, I might look at Torrey Craig for the mm-hmm. for the um, defense. But, you know, a guy like Jeremy Lamb and even, frankly, the other two, it's, it's hard to say. Um, now, if none comes back in a, in a few weeks and looks like he's not going to give us anything, I'm going to regret these words. But as of <laughs> right now, that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, I think I'm along the same lines as you. Like, I was very excited and hyped for Kendrick Nunn. But the longer that this injury continues, the, lo- the more I'm like, you know, if he's 
hasn't been integrated yet. It might be better to just flip him for a plug-and-play 3ND guy who could fit Vogel's system better that won't that you won't need to tinker with as much, a player that you won't need to tinker with as much. Um, even though I know theoretically and on paper, Kendrick Nunn is exactly the glue sort of ball handler that this team needs uh, that could work wonders for our offense that is still floundering because we don't have an offensive system. Um, so I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I think I would like, yeah, I rank them as Justin Holiday number one, Torrey Craig number two, Jeremy Lamb number three. I think I like Jeremy Lamb's upside maybe a couple years ago, but at this point he kind of reminds me of Kent Bazemore a little bit. You know what I mean? Like erratic. Um, yeah, he's long, but you're not really sure how consistent his shot is or how consistent his offensive game is. And then also I think he's been injured, uh, injury prone the last couple of seasons as well. So yeah, I think I would do it for Justin Holiday, uh, maybe on Torrey Craig and... But I still think at the end of the day, I would like to see how none pans out first because theoretically we have a much higher ceiling uh, playing none than any of these two guys. But again, if we're, I mean, if we're still in January and we're not sure how his, uh, what's his injury right now? It's like a... His, he's got a bone a bruise. A bone bruise. So if we're not sure whether that's going to heal anytime soon or it's going to be something he'll, he'll continue to need to deal with throughout the season, then yeah, maybe you flip it for one of these guys to a team that's you know, willing to take none on and maybe hope that he t- picks up his player option the next season. So, okay. Um, second to last none for semi-wing trade. And I, I think this is actually pretty interesting. I don't know if the other team would do it uh, as with most of these proposals, but Kendrick Nunn for 28, 28-year-old Dorian Finney-Smith of the Dallas Mavericks, 6'8", 6'11", wingspan. He's an expiring $4 million. So maybe Dallas wants to get rid of him if he's expiring, if they know they won't pay him next year. He's averaging nine points, four rebounds, nothing to write home about, but he did hit two threes last year on 39%, and currently, at the time of this recording, he's hitting 1.73s on, you know, only 34%, but I think, theoretically, his mold is sort of exactly what we need, and I really like his size, 6'8", 6'11", wingspan, and if he can sort of approximate what he did last year, hitting two threes a game on 39%, I think that's sort of the type of wing that you need who also won't need as much ball usage, and he's just the prototypical off-ball cutter, off-ball catch-and-shoot guy, and then on defense, you hope that his length can harass uh, other offensive players. So your thoughts on none for Dorian Finney-Smith, who again, I think is pretty integral to the Mavs, so they might not do it, but let's say they did. Yeah, I'm not sure if they do it, but this is more along the lines, I think, also of something I would do. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith, I think the size is the most interesting thing about him because one thing about how, you know, this team is going to be trying to play, I think, we don't have the same degree of, you know, KCP, Alex Caruso type of perimeter ball, like just lockdown, point of attack, lockdown type guys. Um, But we have... You know, we have, I think what we're going to try to do, especially if we're playing 80 at the five, right? Other lineups that worked for us in the past with 80 at the five were these lineups that had like Markeith Morris and LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma. And just like, you know, if we're going to even be going to more extreme versions of that where LeBron is playing the five, which I think we will, um, because we're going to need to do that to get floor spacing and succeed on both ends, I think with our current roster makeup, surrounding LeBron with other guys who are like about six, eight and can, 
you know, be athletic and use their length to create some havoc and aren't afraid to like, you know, kind of you be physical a little bit in the paint. Like, I, I think that those types of players are interesting um, for this roster. And so Dorian Finney-Smith kind of fits in, into that mold. Like, you know, there's the rumor floating around that would never happen a few weeks ago, but it was like, I think it was THT and is THT Jeremy Grant rumor, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously Jeremy Grant is much better than Dorian Finney-Smith, but, but it's the same idea, I think, right? It's, it's in terms of what you're looking to do defensively. Surround LeBron on, in those units with a bunch of six seven six eight as many six seven six eight guys as you can to just create havoc. We already have Mello, who frankly is to me the most surprising player on both ends, uh, that you know <laughs> on our roster so far. Um, shown that he can kind of hold his own when you know you kind of he gets motivated. He can really try. He's at least trying, you know, on defense. He's definitely not our worst defender. Um, and, and you know, you already have him. We have LeBron. Uh, you know, Ariza's going to be coming back. Dorian Finney-Smith would give us another guy sort of in that height range who who we could throw out in those kinds of lineups. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you saw how effective that LeBron at the five micro ball unit was even just playing Ellington and Monk and Westbrook, right? Imagine if he had like an actual guy who had a motor to him and was athletic and can run the floor and actually play defense and has length in DFS. So, okay, my last non-trade Uh, potential trade before we pitch it to break and also just talk about potential buyout market wings. This is a guy also on the Dallas Mavericks. This is not for a wing, but sort of a tweener, combo tweener, but sort of the same idea when we're thinking about LeBron at the 5, 80 at the 5 micro ball lineups. Um, And this is, and I'll caveat this again, I don't think the Mavericks do it, but let's just say they need some extra primary ball creating help because Jalen Brunson goes down because I know they've wanted to take the primary creation load off of Luka None would definitely help them in that respect. So let's say they do this. What are your thoughts on Kendrick Nunn for Maxi Kleba? $8.7 million this year, $9 million next year, non-guaranteed. Maxi Kleber is 29 years old. He is 6'10", with a 6'11 wingspan, career 37% three-point shooter. At the time of this recording, he's hitting 1.63s on 39%. Last year, he hit 1.73s on 41%. And to me, he's like the perfect sort of player that we need. We've been talking about trying to replace Markeith Morris. With Maxi Kleber, you get this active, sturdy, mobile body. He's pretty athletic. He's pretty well built. He spaces the floor for you. To me, Maxi Kleber is almost like a Larry Nance Jr., Josh McRoberts type of sort of tweener and versatile, you know, power forward that you can use to me he's like jack of all trades master of kendrick nunn uh perfect for small ball types of units so what are your thoughts on nunn for maxi kleber yeah i like maxi kleber uh a lot i i think he gets a bad rap because he's kind of an awkward player especially on defense but again i put him in the category of guys where if he's not afraid to muck it up, like he'll work here. He's 6'10", he has great size. So if he's not soft, which he's not, we'll find a role for him. And his shooting has been amazing. I mean, last three years is a big sample size and he's shot 37, 41, and 39%. He somehow was averaging like a block a game and over his career in 22 minutes, which, you know, he's not known as like a shot blocker and he's not like a big time shot blogger, but he does have, again, it's just another more evidence that 
I think this guy's kind of viewed, at least maybe this is just me, but I sort of viewed him previously as a uh, just a perimeter or type of oriented guy, right? But watching him in the playoffs the last couple of years against the Clippers, I think we saw like quite a bit more from him in terms of, you know, he wasn't afraid to muck it up with Morris. He wasn't afraid to take the one-on-one matchups with, with Kawhi. Like not saying you want to put him in those situations, but like he's not afraid of it. Um, I don't think Dallas is like eager to move this guy, but yeah, if that was an opportunity, I would definitely take it. I mean, they could use, I, I think they could use another ball handling guard. So if none came back and was healthy, right. And, and showed something, then maybe they would make that type of move. But I don't, really think they have a reason to do it right now yeah unfortunately not but in terms of just thinking about the type of player mold and template that you envision would help the lakers on so many levels because he also helps out the anthony davis thing right where anthony davis just needs kind of like an active sort of mobile bruising body next to him that's kind of maxi kleber and he also spaces the floor uh for anthony davis he's like the Mobile version of uh, Marcus All, mobile athletic version of Marcus All, I guess. And so, yeah, I I would definitely do this. And then, kind of in conjunction with what might happen on the buyout market, check out this scenario. This is never going to happen again. You trade Kendrick Nunn for Maxi Kleber, right? And then, in order to fill the Nunn role, you sign Goran Dragic off the buyout market, or sign Eric Gordon, or even Campbell Walker, if any of those guys get bought out to make up for the Nunn loss. And all of a sudden. You've got Goran Dragic and Maxi Kleber on your team. Oh my gosh. It's crazy, right? Never going to happen. But I mean, right. likely that Goran Dragic or Eric Gordon get bought out. That's why I think if you want to trade Kendrick Nunn, it doesn't automatically mean that you just lost Nunn for nothing. If you can kind of make up for it by signing. And I know these guys are older. We don't want any more of that necessarily. But if you're kind of envisioning your second or third primary ball handler or backup point guard only getting 18 minutes anyways, then, you know, maybe sign Goran Dragic or Eric Gordon and trade Kendrick Nunn away for a guy like Maxi Kleber or a player of his mold. Speaking of mold, and not to talk about the type that you don't want in your house, let's talk about Breaking the Mold and a podcast duo that's doing just that with the Knuckleheads podcast. The Knuckleheads podcast is hosted by former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. They did the fist head bump, as you all know. Uh, They are in the seventh season of doing this podcast, and the Knuckleheads podcast brings on some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and bona fide truth tellers. Listen as they invite special guests high-profile athletes, musicians, and other entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. Named for the on-court celebration they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. So don't be a knucklehead, as Charles Barkley would say, and listen to the Knuckleheads podcast with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles this holiday season. All right, so we are back. Before we get to our free agent wings on the buyout market segment, this is present slash future Jonathan jumping into the past slash present to add another addendum to this episode. So a few things in the NBA have happened since Tommy and I pre-recorded this overall episode during the break that I think adds some 
additional color to these none discussions. So I'd like to bring up three more potential names slash trade targets for people to nibble at before we get into buyout market names. The first name is a name that you've constantly been hearing in relation to the Lakers, but that guy is the Portland Trailblazers' Robert Covington. Initially, most talks surrounding Robert Covington have always involved THT, like I said, but with the Blazers going 2 of 8 in their last 10-game stretch and continuing to lose at such a rapid pace, I don't think it's out of the question that if and when the Blazers decide to blow this season up and move in a different direction by maybe trading Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum, that maybe Robert Covington can be had for a pretty cheap price. Given he's an expiring contract this year and the Blazers are probably not going to want to re-sign him this offseason as he's set to turn 32. And again, if they blow it up, they'll be in rebuilding mode, so they won't have very much use for him. And essentially, teams who would be trading for Robert Covington would essentially be trading for a three-month rental because he is expiring. In light of that, there is a very small possibility that the Lakers could trade none, plus some other minimum expiring salaries and maybe a second or two for Robert Covington. As I've mentioned before, I think at this point, Kendrick Nunn will likely take his player option of $5 million because he's missed much of this year, and I don't know which team is going to give him like $9 million this offseason based off of that. But in the event that Nunn does take his player option of $5 million next year, it gives a team like Portland his early bird rights in that scenario, and it gives them an additional trial year to see what Nunn can do versus nothing with Robert Covington because he's expiring. And again, I don't think the Blazers want to re-sign him. So, so for those reasons alone, I think there could be something there with regards to a potential Nunn for a Covington trade. But it's still relatively unlikely because I think if Portland made Covington available to the entire NBA, they'd probably get better trade packages for Robert Covington, even though I know he's seen a massive decline this year. But it's just a name to look up because I, I never would have thought we'd reach the point where you may be able to even get Robert Covington, not for THT, but for a non-centric trade package. But again, we'll see. Okay, Roko aside, another name who I think could be interesting would be the New York Knicks' Nerlens Noel. Now, the Knicks have been struggling this year, and they just lost Derrick Rose for eight weeks to ankle surgery. While Kemba Walker has charged back onto the fray here in a big way, Tibbs has been pretty wishy-washy on Kemba's long-term role with this team, and he was literally DNP'd for a good stretch before health and safety protocols forced him back into action recently. So while they still have Alec Burks and Emmanuel Quickly, I do think the Knicks could use some better all-around steady guard play and scoring, that Kendrick Nunn could provide them with once he's healthy. Also, I believe the Knicks actually courted Kendrick Nunn this offseason and offered him more money, which he turned down to obviously sign with the Lakers. It's either him or Monk, but regardless, I do think the Knicks have had previous interest in Kendrick Nunn. And again, if Nunn opts into his $5 million player option next season, the Knicks would be able to fully integrate him over the summer and have him ready for next season while also getting his early bird rights to re-sign him in forthcoming offseasons. Also, the Knicks are just trying to find more time for Obi Toppin, and they already have Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, so they may see swapping an oft-injured Noel for a primarily injured this year, but hopefully getting healthier Kendrick Nunn to bolster their guard play. So they may see Noel as superfluous in that situation. In this deal, the Lakers would be getting back Nerlens Noel, who 
has been riddled with injuries this season, but is still only 28 years old and who, when healthy, would provide us with a much more agile, springier, and more reliable center than Dwight Howard, who right now can only give the Lakers value in short spurts. And so I think Nerlens, because of his defensive versatility, could work in two big lineups with AD once he returns, or even small ball lineups where Nerlens is the only center, primarily because of his ability to run the floor, catch lobs, and defend better in space than any of the other bigs we've previously had. Now, I know things are complicated with Nerlens Noel having formerly been repped by Rich Paul and all the squabbles that have come out between Noel and Clutch, but from a pure basketball standpoint, a straight none from Nerlens swap could make sense. Nerlens makes $8 million this year, none makes $5 million, so it would be a very straightforward one-for-one swap. Maybe you have to tack on one minimum guy onto none to make it work, but essentially a pretty clean deal. But yeah, that's another name to maybe look out for. Maybe not realistic from the Knicks standpoint, but I do think the Lakers could use an athletic, agile big man for Dwight Howard insurance. And for AD insurance when he gets back, because he's probably going to be pretty gimpy and not want to get himself injured. So maybe Nerlens Noel can shoulder that load. Although, again, huge caveat, Nerlens Noel is the type of guy who's oft injured as well. So there's that. Okay, so full disclosure, this last player I'm about to talk about, his name and this trade proposal is almost rendered useless by the new news that the Lakers are in serious talks to trade Rajon Rondo to the Cavs, likely to get a second round pick back and free up a roster spot to fully guarantee Stanley Johnson. We'll get into the implications of this Rondo deal and frankly how shocked I am that the Lakers were actually willing to trade Rondo and be as ruthless as they were given how important Rondo was to the championship DNA of this team, but they did it or they're going to do it. But regardless, I'm saying this because this next trade proposal involves a Cleveland Cavaliers player. I'm choosing to leave it in here because I think it's relevant and it kind of rationalizes why the Cleveland Cavaliers are going after a guy like Rondo. Now, would it make more sense for them to go after a guy like Nunn? Yes, probably, but that's assuming the Lakers were willing to give up Kendrick Nunn, and that's assuming Cleveland Cavaliers had anything of interest that the Lakers wanted. But regardless, I'm adding this caveat in here because of the Rajon Rondo-Cleveland Cavalier trade talks, and I'm leaving it in here because it still may be relevant because let's say Rondo just isn't cutting it for the Cavaliers as a backup point guard, which is almost likely to happen because Rondo is going to be unmotivated playing in Ohio. So let's say Rondo's not working out for the Cavs. Could the Cavs come back to the Lakers and ask for Kendrick Nunn in that situation? Yes, they could. So if that happens, let's move on to my third player and trade proposal involving the Cleveland Cavaliers again. Another name who sort of popped onto my radar due to recent events is, and this is definitely a name I never thought I'd be bringing up with any amount of intrigue, but another player who's caught my eye recently is the Cleveland Cavaliers' Chetty Osman. He's 26 years old, He's making $8 million this year, $7.4 million next year, and then he has a non-guaranteed $6.7 million in 2023. So he has a very nice, favorable, declining contract. But anyway, I bring Chetty's name up primarily because of his team's situation. So this is more circumstantial and based on team context than it is my actual interest in the player. But... The Cleveland Cavaliers just lost Ricky Rubio for the season to a torn ACL, a very unfortunate and gut-wrenching injury for a veteran player like Rubio who was having a resurgent season, helping the Cavs round into a playoff team this year. 
But yeah, the Cavs just lost their best backup point guard who is playing 28 minutes per game. They previously also lost Colin Sexton for the season as well. And outside of Darius Garland, they are very, very thin with regards to any competent primary ball handlers and scorers at the guard spot. So I'd imagine that they'll be very active on the trade market for some backup point guard help in the coming months. And this is where Kendrick Nunn would come in. Now, I'm not sure if Chetty Osman is the type of player the Lakers need, and I definitely lean towards just keeping Nunn at this point and having him wreck shop along with Austin Reeves and Malik Monk. But Chetty is a taller wing size player who, while he's never been known for his defense, has flashed some potential in that area, especially this year. And under Frank Vogel, maybe you could envision Chetty Osman having some sort of Kyle Kuzma defensive progression to his game. Because he's really got nice size. He's 6'8 with a near 7 foot wingspan, sort of similar to Kyle Kuzma. I think Kyle Kuzma is a couple inches taller. Uh, he's averaged 11 points on 45% from the field and 39% from three, knocking down 2.3 a game with one steal a game in only 22 minutes off the bench this year. This season, he actually ranks in the 79th percentile in on-ball steal rate, and according to Cavs beat writers, he's actually Im- improved tremendously on the defensive end. So if the Lakers want to continue to get more wing size and length with some added shooting to boot, Chetty may not be a bad option to target. Maybe there's also still some untapped potential in him, and he could definitely help in giving us more fun small ball, micro ball options to run out there. So yeah, I don't know if this is realistic from the Cavs end or the Lakers end. I just know the Cavs desperately need some point guard help, and the Lakers could always use more versatility and size. And I think that's something Chetty could provide. Also, Chetty Osman played with LeBron James in Cleveland as a rookie, so there's that. All right, well, that's my long-winded addendum to this episode. You have heard me ramble solo long enough. So with that said, please enjoy the second half of our show where Tommy jumps back in to give you some reprieve from Solo Jonathan, and we talk about some potential buyout market wings that could be available outside of Stanley Johnson because we've already seen the benefits of getting a guy like Stanley Johnson in. So are there other wings on the buyout market who are even better than Stanley Johnson that we could look to to continue to bolster our wing depth? So let's hear from our sponsors one more time, and then after that, Tommy will rejoin us and we'll talk about those buyout market wings. All right, so we are back. Uh, Tommy, this does not involve Kendrick Nunn. This does not involve Taylor Horton Tucker. This doesn't even involve Malik Monk or any of those guys. I'm going to throw out a list of six, 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 seven dudes or taller, or six, seven taller dudes um, who could be available potentially on the buyout market come February, March, or January, February, March, whenever those cuts happen near the trade deadline. I'll split this up between lower tier list, mid tier, and what I'd consider an elite tier. Starting off with the lower tier, what are your thoughts on Rodney Hood? Six foot eight, short wingspan at six foot eight as well, but we kind of know his profile. Shooter, I'm not even sure if he's a defender, but he's just six eight, so I put him on this list. Next, we've got Troy Brown Jr., who's currently on the Bulls. He's six foot six with a six foot eleven wingspan. I'm actually also not sure how he is defensively. I just like his length, and I know he can do a little bit of playmaking in the Evan Turner-ish sort of mold and variety. He used to be on the Washington Wizards. I think the Wizards drafted him initially. And then next, you'll like this one, Torian Craig Prince. Torian Prince. Torian. <laughs> uh, Torian Prince, Prince, currently playing on the uh, cur- currently playing on the Timberwolves. He's six foot seven with a seven foot wingspan. If you remember, he's most famously known for being on the Atlanta Hawks. Um, yeah. 
And then lastly, Josh Jackson from the Detroit Pistons. He is six foot eight, six foot ten wingspan. Definitely the wild card of this group. I'm not even sure how disciplined he is on defense, but you like his athleticism. And maybe you can add Hamadou Diallo, his teammate on the D- Detroit Pistons here. But Hamadou is only six foot five, but he does have a six, six foot eleven wingspan. So out of this lower tier of guys, does anybody intrigue you? Rodney Hood, Troy Brown Jr. Torian Prince, Josh Jackson, maybe Hamadou Diallo. <sighs> so Rodney Hood, I mean, obviously was kind of coming up in the in the league right before he had his um he tore his ACL, right? Was that his injury? I think so. Or, yeah. Or was it Achilles, something like that? So, you know, since he had that injury, obviously things have have not been progressing in the same way, or like he hasn't been necessarily on the same trajectory, but I guess he kind of stands out as somebody who's played in at least some meaningful games. He was on those Portland teams that were pretty good. Um, uh, who was he? Oh yeah. He was drafted by Utah. Um, so he played on, you know, maybe some meaningful, meaningful uh, games there. And he's not a, he wasn't a bad player in his prime. And it's just like, you wonder what, what do things look like now? I guess he's the one name that stands out. The other guys, I'm not really that interested in any of them, to be honest. Yeah, that's fine. I think the one I'm most interested in is probably the most boring. And at that point, just don't even sign him. Torian Prince. <laughs> he seems like the most stable, right. but it's also like, what is the point? Um, so yeah, I agree with you. How about this mid-tier? It's only It only consists of two guys, my mid-tier uh, section. Uh, Garrett Temple from the Pelicans right now, six foot six with a six foot 10 ish wingspan. The other good thing about Garrett Temple is he can play make a little bit, which is nice. And then I started our episode off with this intro, but Mo Harkless, Sacramento King, six foot nine, seven foot two wingspan. How could you be so Harkless? What are your thoughts on, do you like any of those two guys? Uh, Mo Harkless, I just irrationally have always wanted to be on our team. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why. I think he's just like, he he's he would bring a dynamic that I think is like needed, right, for what we're trying to do. I mean, I know he can't shoot, okay, so that's obviously going to be a problem. But he's got good size. Again, I, we were talking about the LeBron lineups. He fits in that 6'7", six, 6'8", mm-hmm. six, kind of mold with length. Um uh, you know, he can grab rebounds. He, he The length helps a lot, right? And and a big uh, piece of what he does is he can run in transition and finish in transition. Um, other than that, he's not going to give you a lot offensively, right? But if we can limit kind of what he does to just being a rangy wing who just runs and tries to finish in transition, it could work out. Um, so I don't know. I'm all, whenever somebody says Mo Harkless, I'm all, my <laughs> my ears perk up, but I, I acknowledge he's not that good. Yeah. I would take either of these two guys, especially since it's the buyout market. Garrett Temple, to me, would actually be the more level-headed Kent Bazemore, who could actually do something with the ball. Um, okay, here's my elite tier, also consisting of two guys. A guy we've talked about before and was actually part of our season was actually part of our season's prediction podcast as my bold prediction. Number one in the elite tier is Thaddeus Young, 33 years old, more of a tweener four, but still fits the micro ball template that we've been talking about this entire episode. Currently on the Spurs, he's six foot eight with a six foot 11-ish wingspan, seven foot wingspan. Currently been complaining about how his playing time has shaken out on a pretty much a rebuilding young Spurs team. So he 
likely will get bought out. We'll see. Uh, and then number two is James Johnson, 34 years old. Again, more of a tweener four on the Brooklyn Nets. Black belt in karate, I believe, or some other martial arts. Uh, I don't know if Brooklyn would actually buy him out just because he's currently playing and I think playing over Blake Griffin. But let's just say Blake Griffin makes his way back into, onto the rotation and James Johnson gets phased out. Here's James Johnson, perfect for small ball five stuff, Draymond Greenish type, six foot eight, seven foot one wingspan, can play make, can dunk the hell out of the ball, can use his length. Your thoughts on Thaddeus Young and James Johnson? For me, it's yeah, any of those two guys. Yeah, I think any of those two guys. I, I have a slight preference for James Johnson because I I, I don't mm. know. I guess they're both old. For some reason, I thought James Johnson was a little bit younger, but James Johnson. Um, and maybe I am thinking about him from years ago, but I feel like even today he's just like a little bit faster. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thaddeus is young is just like kind of a little more loafing, like he, he loafing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But he, I don't know. I mean, look, like both of these guys are much better than a couple guys on our team. So I would take both of them. They can both play some small ball five, um, and they could both give us looks that we don't currently have. I think Thaddeus Young is a pretty good rebounder from what I recall. I don't know mm-hmm. what that those numbers look like nowadays, but uh you know, he could give us some help on that end and and um like I said, it it's just both of these <laughs> we we have some some dead weight on our team. So, you know, in some yeah, respects it's like if we can get get rid of some of that dead weight and replace that with, you know, a guy like Thaddeus who could come in and you know he's going to compete on you know, on the, on the glass. Okay. He's not going to get you a lot of blocks because he's not very explosive, but he gets a lot of steals. He, actually. Good, he does get a lot of steals. He's got good. Cause he's got good hands. Um, he's good on the boards, uh, you know, including on the offensive glass. Um, he's, he's punished some of our teams in the past on that end. Uh, you know, he's not offensively. He's not the player he once was, but he's also not going to make like a ton of mistakes. Um, so I like Thaddeus. Yeah, and Thaddeus over, especially last year, he's become a really good playmaker. I think he almost averaged like 4.55 assists last year. Um, So yeah, any of those two guys, especially if you're cutting DeAndre Jordan for them, would be huge upgrades. Okay, so to close this episode, Tommy, here's a guy not in any category. This is purely what I thought up on my own. My Galaxy Brain Moneyball pick for a wing now and for the future wing now, win now, and a wing for the future. This is a guy who, you know, if Rob Palenka was a little bit more creative with his signings, I'd say there's maybe a shot that this type of move could be pulled off. But, you know, given the guys I was pining for over the offseason, my hipster picks of guys with potential like Isaiah Hardenstein and all that stuff, we didn't even like bat an eye towards them. So I, this guy sort of falls in in that line of thinking. Uh, so I don't think it's going to happen, which to me kind of doesn't make sense because we seem to have done really well whenever we bring those guys from the margins onto our team, right? You know, Austin Reeves, Alex Caruso, even all the G League guys that we brought in. So I'm not sure why Rob chooses to always go for the name guys who have done stuff before. I mean, I get it because they have the resume and you're building a win now team. But are you ready to hear my Moneyball Galaxy Brain pick for the type of wing that I wish Rob Palenka would target more often, whether in the buyout market or in the offseason when he's looking to fill out the 14th, 15th guys on his roster? Yes. Utah Watanabe, 
of the Toronto oh. Raptors. He is 27 yeah. years old, six foot nine with a six foot ten wingspan. He is, yeah, like I said, he played for the Raptors last year, is playing for them this year. Athletic, lanky dude, runs the floor well. He shot 40% from three, hitting 0.7 a game in 50 games last year with the Raptors. This year, he's averaging 8.6 points in 21 minutes, five rebounds, 1.2 assists, but he is shooting 38% from three-point land, hitting 1.5 a game. He's kind of been killing it during this whole health and safety protocols mess. He had a 26.13 rebound game, one steal, one block, two of five from three, 11 of 20 from the field. He has a double-double game in there, 12 points, 11 rebounds, 5 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. And yeah, he just has a really versatile all-around skill set at a lower role-player type level. And most of all, I I just think there's potential now and later for the Lakers. I know it'll never happen, but again, you just look at guys like Alex Crusoe, Austin Reeves, and older players who can help now but also pay dividends for you in the future, and guys who are mobile who don't have that NBA mileage on them, you know they have the energy. And with Utah, he can actually shoot. He's a good three-point shooter. Like, why not go with that younger hustle dude who may even have some ceiling or potential to him? But at the very least, with Watanabe, it's like, oh, he's got good length, six foot nine, six foot ten wingspan. So what are your thoughts on that galaxy brain pick, even though it'll never happen? Um, yeah, I like that kind of stuff, right? I think you're right that there needs to be a little bit more creativity in what we're trying to do. And, you know, I think if you're going to take the position of we're going to go LeBron, we're going to go AD, we're going to go Russ, that's totally fine, right? And even a few more of the guys, right? Okay, fine. Carmelo, uh, Malik Monk, like, you know, uh, Kendrick Nunn, like these guys who can give us a lot of offensive firepower, that's fine. I guess Monk it and none are less relevant to the point I'm about to make. But, you know, if you're going to put together this team of superstars, you kind of need some of these, uh, like, to your point, veterans who are a little bit older, more developed, but still have something to prove. That's, like, mm-hmm. what we should be should have kind of been more targeting, you know? And I think Monk is only 22, but even he kind of fits that mold, right? And he's going to go out, you know he's going to play hard. Um, it does us no good. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. I'm, I was going to say, I don't want to name names, but like, you know, having DeAndre Jordan on a team like this does nothing for us, right? Like that guy doesn't have anything to prove. He clearly is not like, you know, willing to put forth any sort of effort to show that he's not washed at this point. And so it's like, we need to, we need to just figuring out a balance of guys who will go out and compete around the three stars is something that has just been like very overlooked in my opinion. And, and, you know, not just, and I love Austin Reeves and I love THT and even Monk and, you know, none we haven't seen yet, but I'm sure he's going to be great, but not, not just like young guys who haven't played, who are going to have a lot of energy that you could just throw out there and put out into blow, you know, put in into blowouts, but guys who have been there and, you know, when you call on them, they'll go in and they'll perform and, you know, they're not going to make a bunch of crazy mistakes. And, you know, I don't know. I I don't know why it seems like this year, and maybe it was just a function of what we were able to get, but it seems like we really just went to two extremes, right? It's like we had the undrafted guy who we signed to a guaranteed contract, and which was a good signing in my opinion, by the way. But we have him. We have, you know, at the start of the season, 20-year-old THT, 22-year-old Monk, um, 
And then all these like 37 year olds, right? So it's like, but then you don't get a ton of guys who are like 26, 27, sort of that Alex Caruso age range where they're like, they've been around the block and they know how to play, but they're still like looking to play hard and win games. And and it feels like there was a little bit of neglect to that category of player. Yeah, I agree. And so if somehow the Raptors decide to cut Utah, Utah, yeah, Utah Watanabe, Utah. <laughs> uh, the Lakers should definitely give him a look and at the very least come this offseason, look at more guys like this who, if they develop correctly and put into their system, I mean, that should pay dividends for you in the coming years, you know, because you could get them on the cheap too. So, um, yeah, so just just the guy I wanted to throw out there and obviously huge Japanese-American population in Los Angeles, so he'd be a hit here. Um, to close this episode, uh, smaller Avery Bradley-like defenders who fit Vogel's style, who could make it on the buyout market. Eric Gordon, as I mentioned before, Gary Harris on the Orlando Magic, and Terrence Ross also on the Orlando Magic. Um, but yeah, those are the guys who could make it. And uh, with that said, that'll do it for this episode and this look at potential wing guys on the trade market if we're planning to trade Kendrick Nunn and not THT, and also just wings on the potential buyout market. So yeah, we will catch you guys later. Uh, Tommy? Peace. Laters. Peace.